<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. On September 23rd, 2017, Taylor Gruel Miller, mother of two, would plummet to her death from the fifth story of a parking garage of an upscale Dallas, Texas apartment building. She was just 26 years old. Taylor's death was originally being investigated as a homicide, and in their original notes, police even list the name of a suspect, William Cody Marley, although he would never officially be named a suspect. Yet, her death was labeled as an unexplainable death, and to this day, it still remains unexplained. So, what the hell happened? Especially when so many people close to Cody have reported to those around them that he knows exactly what happened to Taylor and he's told them different versions of the story. So, why has no one come forward yet to resolve this for her family? And why did the police drop the ball so hard on this case? With so much evidence, you would think the Dallas police force would hit the ground running. To me, looking at this case, it seemed open and shut. And yet, here we are almost five years later. When I spoke to Taylor's father, Rich, he told me this wasn't a case of a DA trying to do everything in their power, but constantly hitting roadblocks. No, it's actually been the opposite. The Dallas Police Department, in my humble opinion, has dropped the ball, which is why this may be one of the most important episodes that we have ever featured on Innocent Till Tipsy, because you guys could possibly solve this case. So please listen to this episode in full and share the hell out of it. As I always say on my TikToks, you never know who you may know that may know something about this case. Even on your socials, share it on your Twitter, share it on your Facebook, share Taylor's story everywhere you can scream it. It's so hard to find information on Taylor's case, which is currently being handled by a cold case investigator in Dallas, Texas. In fact, I had never even heard of this case until Taylor's family reached out to me on one of my TikTok lives. Mm -hmm. So please share it. Um, But before we dive into this extremely important case, let's touch on the wine that we have this week. Okay, so today I have a wine from our special package from uh, Naked Wines. And um, if you don't know anything about Naked Wines, go and check them out because you can receive discounted pricing on amazing wine. Um, they support a lot of independent winemakers, um, which like gives those winemakers freedom to make whatever, like different smaller batches of wine versus larger, like more widely distributed wines. Um, and you receive a special um, discount when you become an angel. Um, so I'm so excited to try this. I have Matt Parrish, which Matt Parrish is actually the winemaker. Um, I'm trying a rosé today, Matt Parrish Rosé 2021. And let's see, I've watched him, um, give like a little synopsis. So he looks super cool. Um, so this wine is supposed to be citrusy, juicy, and crisp. 
So I'm excited to try this and support smaller independent winemakers. I'm excited to hear what you think about it because as I said in one of our other episodes, I have never met a rosé that I liked. <laughs> so <laughs> That's why but, I was like, I want to try a rosé today since we're our, switching it up. Right. Our friends over at Naked Wines, though, knew that you and I have very different palettes. So they sent me over uh, different bottles than you. I think we have like three of the same, but yes. um, they sent me over a couple different. So I'm doing a bold red today, Lagar. I'm really excited to try this, especially I love bold reds. Um, so it's supposed to have a long lasting finish, um, ages best for up to five years. And it's best to decant uh, for a couple hours before serving, but we've never been good at that. So <laughs> let's pour a glass and see how it goes i'm sure it's still delicious oh yes i also wanted to mention too like with naked wines they have a love it guarantee so um like yeah if you didn't love it um you just let them know and you get your money back on that wine so it's a good way to try new things yeah especially i find some of us i know for myself i get really stuck in the same wines so yeah you <laughs> having wanna... a box like this is different mm-hmm. oh yeah and it like ships to you so it's nice to just have wine show up at your doorstep. I never answer the door because I listen to so much true crime, right? And so the other day when UPS knocked on my door, I was like, who are you and why? You're like, like leave, leave the, the wine and back away. <laughs> like, we need to check your ID. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> just leave the box, walk away. <laughs> Anyways, cheers. Oh, she's just going for it. Sorry, cheers. I'm such so, so horrible. Um, Oh, it's so good. Mm, I do like this. And it's been yeah. hot. So that's why I'm like, okay, I'm ready for a cool, chilled rosé. I like it. You like yours? Mm-hmm. I love your spooky glass. Thank you. Thank you. I love these glasses. I think I told you I found more of them at um, TJ Maxx, I believe it was this year. Or I know they have all spooky stuff out. They do. And like, I, it's so hard to find like sets and they had more of these and I got these last year. So I got really excited because it's so hard to find like the same stuff. You know what I mean? Now you can have a party. Yeah. Especially at TJ Maxx and never, if you don't get it that day, it's never coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, this <laughs> well, is so I love good. this. I am so excited to try the rest of our wines. Like you mentioned in our naked wines boxes, because we have three, the same three separate again, mm-hmm. try, just trying new things. So yeah, it's naked wines. Thank you. And it's amazing how they match you because this is extremely me, like this bottle, yeah. extremely me. But I'm wondering, spot. yeah, I think there's going to be a couple curves balls in each of our boxes. So I'm excited yes. to see. Mm-hmm. So Taylor Nicole Gruwell was born in Muncie, Indiana on November 22nd, 1990, Thanksgiving Day, which I thought was really sweet. Aww. I know. More to be grateful for that yes. year, right? I listened to another podcast on this and they were like, her father, Rich, just wanted to watch football, but... Taylor arrived. (laughs) Um, It really struck me too how similar in age Taylor and I are. We're only almost exactly a year apart. She's a year older than me. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It puts it Um, in perspective how short her life would have been then. It really does. Um, So Taylor was one of many siblings. Um, She was super close with her brother, Trey. They were just about a year apart. And um, when I spoke with her sister, Kayla, Kayla told me that Taylor was funny, but her jokes were dumb as hell. (laughs) And at one point, Kayla and her sister had been best of friends. Um, Taylor was an extremely spirited individual um, from what I got from her family, like extremely spirited. You knew where she stood all the time. She was super full of life. She had a smile that she always just used her full mouth with. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just ear to ear I've seen smile. pictures of her. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Gorgeous get that girl. when you look at her. Yep. 
Yeah. And I think she's just one of those people, too, where her personality just radiates from her, like, even the pictures of her. You mm-hmm. just see what Taylor was like from looking at photos of her. Yeah. Um, according to her family, if you needed someone to laugh with, Taylor was there for you. If you needed someone to cry with, she'd be there to cry with you. And she didn't take anybody's shit she stood up for herself and for those that she loved. She was full of sarcasm. She gave as good as she got and was a mixture of all things growing up. She could be your girly girl into makeup and fashion and everything else, but she also played sports. Of course, she, you know, she's close with her brother, Trey. So mm-hmm. um, learned volleyball, basketball from her dad, um, all of that. And she was loyal to the nth degree with all of her friends. But... When Taylor was about 16 years old, her parents would divorce and her home life changed forever. And this transition from 16 and into her late teen years was extremely hard on her. Mm-hmm. Taylor would bounce back and forth between her family's homes. So between her dad and her mom's Indiana's and Indiana to Texas. So that's got to be hard as well. Um, yeah. Changing up with friends, family, all of cool. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By age 18, Taylor had actually started abusing prescription medication because of all of this. So she would struggle with addiction for the next few years. But in July of 2013, Taylor had her first child, a little girl. And Taylor worked extremely hard to remain clean for her daughter. And according to those that loved her, she was a hell of a mom and really loved having her own family. And just a couple years later, Taylor and her husband would welcome a baby boy in December of 2015. Oh, awesome. I know. But shortly after giving birth to her second child, Taylor seemed to have um, relapsed into her addictions. This time it was with alcohol. And her dad, Rich, told me yesterday that that was just not – it, it was different for Taylor. Like it was a different relapse, you know, than mm-hmm. she'd ever had before. And her family now suspects she was probably suffering with um, postpartum, postpartum depression. Yeah. At that point in time. Um, and it was also during this time that she was dealing with the dissolution of her own marriage to the father of her babies. Lots of things were changing again in Taylor's Taking life. Taking care of two small children. Yeah. On top of yep. all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she fought to get clean again, and she did, until she suffered from pancreatitis. Aware of her prior addictions, the doctor gave Taylor a drug called Suboxone. I might be mm-hmm. mispronouncing that. I'm sorry nope, if it did. it's Suboxone. Suboxone. Um, only problem is, if Suboxone is abused, it acts an awful lot like Xanax, which is one of the drugs that Taylor had used before. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So soon Taylor is back in over her head with her addiction again. Um, I just want to preface. Um, I think everybody kind of knows on here. I'm a daughter of an addict. So I know the song and dance all too well. Um, also, um, we even spoke with Kaylin about this when we had her on and we were talking about her mother. Um, society, for whatever reason, does not see drug addicts as people. For like, It's very frustrating, the stigma that surrounds drug addiction. And... It, it's just like your personality is gone. And and when you hear too about the death of a drug addict, people tend to focus more on the drug situation than they do on that person being a, a human being, you know? Sure, sure. 
Um, and Taylor was still very much Taylor during this time. She was still trying to remain strong for her kids. And no matter how far her addiction ever got her, um, according to her family, she was still Taylor, the epitome of a social butterfly who showered all of those around her with the love that they gave her. She gave it right back to them. She was never the bearer of bad news, never a negative bone in her body, always mispositive. Um, even in the darkest of times, she never would get down on anyone else. And I just want to reiterate that because I do find sometimes that gets a little lost in translation. Yeah, that and she is not her addiction. Yeah. No, exactly. And by the summer of 2017, Taylor had actually asked herself for help. So that's great. That's the best yeah. step for an addict. Yeah. Um, yeah. She <laughs> voluntarily, step. yes, huge step. She voluntarily entered a treatment facility. And this time was different. Like her whole family could feel it. This time, Taylor herself was the one that was seeking the help. And she checked herself in. But unfortunately, this would be the same rehab center where she would meet Cody Marley. The day that Taylor died, she was hanging out with Cody Marley. And for a brief moment, Cody Marley might have himself been a college football star until a supposed bout of bad luck hit him. So you can find his like stats and his picture online. Mm-hmm. I guess into college ball. I, I'm not a big, we need to talk about our fantasy football league also by the end of this, because I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to sports. Um, uh, go sports, <laughs> go sports. Um, but apparently he had a season and ending injury. Um, and that just kind of took his career away, away along with an illness that caused him to lose over 15 pounds. And for a while before he started being scrutinized by the public for Taylor's death, Hmm. He had a huge social media presence of thousands of followers. Really? All. Yeah. I That's think for his wild. like workout stuff, because he's like, you can still find his workout pictures online. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He's like fitness guru, yeah. trainer, advice giver, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So at coach, time, lifestyle yeah. coach. Lifestyle yeah. coach. There, there we have it. Um, At this point in time, all of his social media has basically been shut down um, after he started receiving comments like when he'd go post a photo of his new tattoos, people would say, well, Taylor can't get a new tattoo. Oh, taking some heat. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. starts posting of himself lifting weights. Taylor can't lift weights anymore. Just tell the police what happened. So Cody shut down all of his public social media accounts except one. You can still Way. find it. It's his Pinterest account. Still and it's the Pinterest? weirdest. No, but get this. Right. <laughs> but get this. His Pinterest account is so offensive. So he has boards labeled, quote unquote, white pride. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I've and- never seen an offensive Pinterest board. I thought it was like recipes and hairdos and nails or I know. Halloween decor photos. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Tattoos. <What? laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And um, quote unquote, Aryan. Now, under these boards, he has photos of himself and photos with a t- offensive terms like quote unquote, peckerwood and quote unquote, white devil. Wow. I know. Just a real, real winner here. Um, He's also definitely fetishizing indigenous women on there as well. Like it's, it's, it's something else. Yeah. I can't believe he got sponsors with a social media presence like that in any way, shape or form. I don't know. What if it came after? after? Yeah. That's weird. That's so weird to not take that down. That's so weird to put that up in the first place. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Yikes. 
So instead of becoming the next hometown hero, hero, it looks as though Cody may have started his career as a lifetime criminal. Mm. His first criminal case was when he nearly beat his stepfather to death at the age of 18. However, I've been told this record has been expunged. I think because of his age, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, According to those around him too, Cody seems to have an MO when it comes to the women in his life. So he always will go after the young, ambitious, in shape woman and use her up until there's basically nothing left. I even like monetarily. Is he older than Taylor? Um, I think he was born same year, 1990. Mm-hmm. From what I saw of his football stats online. <laughs> um, yeah. He's also been arrested a handful of times for violating parole by pissing hot. All of that stuff. Um, And reportedly, the day that Taylor died, he was in the garage where she fell to carry out a drug deal. Hmm. Got it. What? It seems like no matter, like, with all of this stuff, he seems to always get off scot-free. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, he's never had any real repercussions for his actions, from what I see anyways, mind you. Like, I don't know him, but... Yeah, some people do just keep reoffending and reoffending. That's crazy. Mm, Don't... So... Mm-hmm. Taylor met Cody at Sante Rehab. I may be mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. Um, and they were just friends, though. I just want to reiterate that. Um, although she is holding his hands in the surveillance video that we're going to show you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cody reportedly had a girlfriend at that point in time. Um, Taylor and Cody's friendship began through supporting each other through sobriety while they were at the rehab facility. Uh, once Cody actually met Taylor's mom, And Taylor's mom reportedly had this weird feeling immediately about him, and it caused her great concern for Taylor. Yeah, you meet those people, and yeah, they just give you the cringe, like creeps. mm -hmm, And you're just like, I never want to be not going good. Yep, yep, not going anywhere good. Yep. But Taylor had actually been engulfed in her own treatment at the rehab facility, and it seemed like she was doing really well. Which is why it was so shocking to her father, Rich, when he got a call from the facility on September 21st, 2017, telling him that his daughter had abruptly taken off with another patient. That patient Mm. was Cody Marley. Mm -hmm. She had left her purse, her hairbrush, her makeup, and ID all at the facility. So that does not imply that she was intending to leave for an extended amount of time. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I can see maybe you left somewhere to run quick to go do something. Mm-hmm. And I get, like, it's a treatment facility. So, sure, like, we already know there could be drugs involved with Cody or whatever. Like, maybe they were just running out. But you don't, like, leave treatment and leave your stuff, probably. Mm-hmm. So Especially not, like, your, your phone. Nobody leaves their phone yeah. anymore. And she didn't have her phone with her. So, that's... It's just, it's so. Did she not have a working phone or did it, she like, did it work? I'm pretty sure she left it at the facility. So she, she had nothing with her. And that's so strange to me because like, I don't know, like it is like you said, and I talked to Rich about it yesterday, actually, like she, she had full intention of coming back to the facility. Um, So it's just crazy. Just because in all transparency, obviously I've read a little bit about this just Mm -hmm. to be able to have a conversation about it. And I thought she was like texting people from From uh, other people's people's phones. And I was like, that's strange. Like if you have a working phone, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you forgot your phone for a day, maybe then you're using other people's phones, but. But I think because she just left everything, you know what I mean? Like everything Mm -hmm. was just, yeah. Um, 
so Taylor that day actually called her father Mm -hmm. and she said, hi, daddy. And Rich said, Taylor, where are you? Um, She wouldn't tell him where she was. And she just went straight into daddy. Can I have gas money? And Rich said he knew what that meant, that she was trying to buy some type Mm -hmm. of drug. And he said, I'm not going to give you gas money, but wherever you are right now, I will come get you. And that's mm-hmm. where the conversation ended. And that was the last time Rich heard his daughter's voice at 6.58 p.m. on September 21st. That's so sad. So upsetting. Um, and the day that she was killed, Taylor was dropped off actually at a long-term friend's house um, by Cody. So reportedly, Taylor didn't have her phone, like we were just saying. Right. Um, so she's using her friend's phone to communicate and help Cody actually set up this drug deal that he'd be carrying out that night, um, allegedly. Um, the friend eventually, um, would drop her off at a restaurant in Arlington. He'd reportedly later received one final text from Taylor from Cody's phone that said, can you come get me? I need to see you. And that was the last text that she ever sent. From the restaurant? She, is that from, where she, I don't know I where she, that he, yeah, we don't know where don't she was where texting she was. that from. Uh, and the issue too is, is like, like you say, like, is that where they think it, honestly the detectives like i it's like they've taken people's words and then just like not looked into anything so i don't know if they would know where anything was sent like this day like to be honest with you like the only one that has dug their heels in deep on this case has been rich and then there's another podcast the least of these which i'm definitely using as a source yeah. for this and I definitely recommend you check out after looking at our episode for more information on taylor um they are the ones leah and Rich are the ones that got all of this information. Rich having to file his own Freedom of Information Act, um, the FOIA for his daughter's information, because he knew no one was doing anything for, for this. It's it's crazy. Um, but I think you we've talked about this a little bit, that I'm sure all of that is traceable. Where did they send this, like, or calls? And they know she was using other people's phones, but... Maybe you could figure out where she was when she's asking for a pickup or a ride or, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of retrace her lost stuff. So it sounds like only her dad has been asking those questions, but they have Cody's phone, right? Yeah, they have Cody's phone. The only issue is, is like we talked about in the Skylar Nice episode, yeah. Apple won't give those records up. So that it's that phone is just sitting. And I wonder if he had to be named stuff. a suspect, if they would, if they have to, I don't know. or if they, I don't maybe know. it's like a catch 22. They can't name him a suspect unless they have this evidence and they can't get the evidence unless they name him a suspect or yeah, I get privacy, but you'd think that there's some useful information in his phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. It's just sitting collecting dust. The next time Taylor was seen was on surveillance video at Icon at Ross apartment parking garage in Dallas, Texas. So mm-hmm. you can see in this video, she's seemingly having an argument with Cody and we're, we're going to play the video and you can see her, they're holding hands and she kind of like pulls back from him for a second. Sorry, I'm getting away from my mic because I'm um, <laughs> demonstrating, like, demonstrating what she, and she's like rolled her head up. Like she doesn't want to be there. Like, like annoyed. Like, yeah. yeah, like she can't believe she's putting up with like, whatever ugh. she's having to put up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's even a point where he's leaned up against the back of his like car, like on the trunk and like talking to her. And you can just tell she's like annoyed with whatever the hell he's saying. Um, and it seems like she's hesitating to get into the car. But Taylor did eventually get into Cody's vehicle. And uh, reportedly, he drove this up to the top floor of the parking garage, the fifth floor. 
And moments later, he would return to the third floor alone without Taylor to meet up with two guys, which was, this is captured on the surveillance video we're going to play. And please pay attention to these two men because they still have not been identified by police. Um, So now one of these men would go back up to the fifth floor with Cody which is just odd. Now we'll go into Cody's two statements of events here very shortly. Um, So we'll, we'll dive into all of that. What he said. There's a lot there. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, It's sketchy as at best too, because his story on this definitely has changed up a couple of times, but let's talk about what we know happened next. Yeah. So, Taylor's watch stopped at 11.06 p.m. That was the exact time her body made impact with the ground. Mm-hmm. At 11.13 p.m., the first call to 911 went out by a passerby. Someone was just walking by and saw Taylor. She was taken to Parkland Hospital, which is actually a very famous hospital um, because that's where JFK was actually taken after the assassination. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they worked on Taylor. But... Taylor was unfortunately pronounced dead at 11.36 p.m. Meanwhile, immediately at the scene, the ball was completely dropped by Dallas PD. The crime scene immediately botched. After Taylor was rushed to the hospital, they cleaned the area with a water bottle. It wasn't a crime scene? Yeah, exactly. It should have been preserved. And how disrespectful that they took a water bottle and just cleaned up the area where she fell. Wow. Like, yeah. that's a lot. No DNA testing was done, not on the clothes that Taylor was wearing, not on the wall of the parking garage where apparently she went over. Um, side note, the, those garage walls are about four feet high. So it's not something you could easily jump over. It's not something you could trip and accidentally fall right. over. Like you would have to. Because they don't want it, liability. They don't want anybody no, tripping and falling going over these garage walls. Um, when I heard that, have you ever heard of the case? I had to look it up again. But Re- Rebecca Zhao and mm-hmm. Max Shacknai. It's a mm-hmm. similar, not similar in any way, actually. So never mind. Um, the, it was a, it's a falling death. And in that case, yeah, they were proving like scientifically you cannot accidentally trip and fall. In this case, it was over a banister. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they like all the forensics behind that. They were like, no, Max, this little boy did not fall over a railing by accident. They're like, oh, he was on a scooter. See, he just like accidentally went over the railing. No, that's mm-hmm. not possible. Like the force, you, you'd have to be this tall to go over a railing. Like if the wall for her is four feet high, how tall was she? You know, she's not oh, going to yeah, just trip be, and fall yeah. over a four mm-hmm. foot wall. I'm extremely tall and I couldn't just <laughs> fall over. Because your center mass that. is not mm-hmm. higher than four feet. No. Yeah. So someone either had to have pushed Taylor and would have had to have lifted her, you know, to get her over that um that wall or she would have had to jump herself but taylor had no reason in the world to jump she never had any suicidal ideations of course Mm -hmm. nobody ever tells you know like not to discredit that but she has records and records of therapist notes from all of her time in rehab and everything not once has she mentioned i wanted to kill myself you know at, at this point in her life she was trying to better herself for her children it makes absolutely no sense that she would be driven up to the top of this parking garage and in moments you know throw herself off it, it doesn't make any sense um 
her father, Rich, believes if she had not met Cody Marley, she would be alive and clean to this day. She was a ride-or-die mom for her two, two children, and she had made that decision for herself. So it's just extremely frustrating case. Now, well, what I, I'll say about that suicide theory is like suicide never makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand like, although she had all these therapist records, like most often no one says like, well, that made sense. Mm-hmm. So, but what I will say is like all of the other more plausible theories about this case, like her going over and it being a homicide make sense, make yeah. a lot more sense. A lot of sense. So yeah. instead of thinking about what doesn't make sense, like focus on what makes sense. There's like a lot of evidence in this case, actually. Yeah. Especially when um, looking at Taylor's autopsy report like that, it's absolutely Max and I have both um, reviewed some photos of Taylor's Mm -hmm. body. We won't be able to share them here because it's an ongoing investigation, but there were multiple injuries on Taylor's body that aren't explainable to a fall. Um, And we're going to get into that because when she was taken to Parkland hospital, unfortunately she succumbed to the injuries from the fall. But this autopsy report is where things begin to get extremely strange in this case. Mm -hmm. So Taylor's autopsy report was performed two days later on September 25th, 2017 at the time of death. Taylor hadn't been identified yet. She was Jane Doe. Um, She's listed at the time of her autopsy as unidentified, um, they would later have to identify her by her fingerprints. So Taylor had posterior lividity at the time of her autopsy, which was actually that happened after they had stored her body. It wasn't after the fall or anything. And this was something Leah from the least of these podcasts actually touched on. This could possibly have masked other injuries as well. So we'll We'll unfortunately never know if there was anything, you know, injured from from her backside. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like a lot of injuries were simply left out from the autopsy report. The autopsy report does not reflect the trauma that Taylor's body withstood, which shows that she left this world fighting for her life and she fought hard. The autopsy lists her neck as, quote unquote, externally unremarkable. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. But you saw those There's photos. nothing, they don't have any injuries listed for her neck? No injuries listed for her neck. And there's clear, in the autopsy photos, there are clear injuries. Clear injuries. On her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like swelling, and it looks like a strangulation mark almost like to Taylor's neck. 
Um, it's wild that they said that it didn't withstand tra- trauma when there's hospital notes actually that read as follows. So this is from the hospital, not the autopsy report. The complainant had a gash on her lower forehead just above the left eye and bruising and redness about the che- the neck area. So they at the hospital listed she had bruising and redness at the neck area. The other obvious signs of trauma were a broken upper right arm bone protruding from the skin. The notes of injuries to her neck were made within 20 minutes of her fall because remember, like she was brought in immediately and then she was Mm. almost pronounced dead immediately. So these injuries were extensive enough for them to have made note of them. There was swelling. The photos we saw of her neck, like you just can't, you can't dismiss it. And I can't believe an autopsy report wouldn't list it. I know she had a, um, what is it called? A trachea, tracheotomy, tracheotomy, but they wouldn't have like the fact that they made those notes before they began, you know, like that's, and the injuries are not, um, where her, like, like her trach, whatever. I, yeah. Would have been, it's not cause yeah. Just describing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and these photos that we looked at were actually taken. So we saw some of the autopsy, but a lot of them are taken of the neck. Those were taken by a detective at the hospital. So, and then this is interesting and I find it extremely cruel as well. This initial detective, Detective Cheney, that was working the case, he immediately told Rich that this was no accident. And I find that insanely cruel when they just haven't investigated it at all following that. So that, that's wild to me um, that you would immediately say like, this is not an accident and then just totally disregard all the evidence. Not only that was left out of the autopsy report, but there are scrapes and abrasions to the top of Taylor's hands, which is wild because when she fell, she was actually trying to stop herself. So that's why we see the breaks in the arms on the autopsy report. We see the breaks in the shoulders area because she was trying to brace her fall, there was no scraping to the top of her hands. And um, I listened to Leah's podcast in the least of these, and she had seen video. So, of course, there's surveillance video at this um, parking garage, which just, by the way, disclaimer here, there is a surveillance video apparently at the top level of the parking garage, but it only points a certain way. So it did not catch Taylor's like initial fall off the side because uh, huh. that's life. So unfortunately, does it didn't... catch them at all on video? Not at the top, I don't believe. Got it. Um, but uh, not that I saw anyways. Um, but apparently, according to Leah on the least of these, she it did catch Taylor on the ground one minute she's not there and the next minute she is and there was no movement so it's not like she could have scraped her hand in a way to like like these and these injuries too Mm. like her knuckles are black and blue she has scraping especially on her um i believe it's her left hand let me just double check my notes here left palm left wrist inside of right hand and there's also inside of that hand i don't know if you noticed but there's like almost claw marks on the inside like as if you were going to give a punch like that's where your nails would hit do you know what i mean like there's like mm. three puncture wounds it looks like in there and that would be where it's either that or or gravel got in like you know what i mean like in an in a row like in an exact aligned row i would think it would more be you made a a punch and your nails are hitting that area there hmm. but that's just my opinion from looking at her photos. Um, however, oh, 
and not to mention, totally spaced on this, there was an injury, extensive injury to Taylor's chin, yet there was no broken teeth. So if she had gotten that injury from the fall, if her chin had been what caught the fall, wouldn't you think there would be some sort of injury to the inside of her mouth, at least in some way, shape, or form? Like, it's weird that her teeth aren't all broken yeah. up, you know? Wow. However, Taylor's autopsy cl- concludes as follows. Based on the case history and autopsy findings, it is our opinion that Taylor Nicole, they spelled her middle name wrong, which is just like this is the insult to injury. It's just heartbreaking. It literally yeah. is, especially when the top of the first page, they spell it correctly with the C, a C, like H in it, whatever. A 26-year-old white female died as a result of blunt force injuries. The manner of death is best classified as undetermined. The decedent was known by surveillance video to drive to the top floor of a five-story parking garage with a male who drove back down without her. Her body was later found on the ground below the parking garage by a passerby. It is unclear if the decedent jumped from the top of the parking garage or if she was pushed. She has a reported history of anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder. However, there is no reported history of suicidal ideation or previous suicide attempts. If additional information becomes available, the manner of death can be amended. That is key to this case. That is, it is suspicious how you, death right now. It's not. And that's what I oh, don't get. It's undetermined. It's undetermined and not suspicious. Why is that? Uh, maybe only because they can't consider that she was up there. Anything else except for her injuries. They're only supposed to consider her injuries, not the surrounding, um, factors of like that she was up there with someone else. It's so wild to me. I just, I think that is the most wild thing. Like people have less and get arrested. Like that's, I don't understand. I feel like her other injuries that were noted by the hospital should have could have should have been included in her autopsy report and could have been what sway the medical examiner to make it a suspicious death if they were like right? injuries that they were like these happen before um her fall these these injuries are not consistent with the fall the injury to her neck for example mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't none of this case Concerning Taylor's injuries, and later we're going to get into Cody's injuries, none of that makes any sense to me why this is just not – I know. Because – and, like, I can understand, like, like manslaughter would be a good enough charge. Do you know what I mean? Like, just something. Like, I don't fully understand – like, I, I do believe it was, like, heat of the moment, like, in my own personal opinion. Like, I just – I don't understand why there's not more legwork, I guess. I guess I think a lot of it it sucks to have the perspective of like not being in the legal system, you know, Mm -hmm. and being like this seems very clear as an outsider Mm -hmm. looking in or as her father or her friends or anybody else. And but within like the boundaries of like, okay, the medical examiner are not supposed to consider those things supposed to be looking at or she is supposed to be looking at what do the injuries tell me and Mm-hmm. So I guess like you have to start somewhere and yeah, like, so if there was anything else that wasn't included in that report that could be included, like then getting it changed to suspicious death, then getting it changed to like, I guess it's an investigation. So that's interesting that they're investigating something that's not a suspicious death, essentially. Yeah, I just, I do find it weird that they left out injuries on Taylor's body in an autopsy report. It's like, come 
on. Like everything should be noted. Like literally there's a paragraph for Taylor of her tattoos and like, you know, so yeah, it just a lot was left out, you know, that's wild. Um, so I just don't understand why it hasn't been fully investigated as a homicide yet. And that Cody has never been an official suspect, even though they initially made the notes of that. So let's talk about that. So Cody was arrested Tuesday morning, September 26th for a DUI. And as the notes indicate as a suspect follow up to murder, we have that. We're going to put it up right now. They literally, and the reason we have that by the way, is because rich opened up that FOIA. Rich didn't know any of this. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. That's five days after this happened on the 21st? Two days. Two days. Yep, the September 23rd that Taylor fell. So he's passed out in his vehicle. And when police approach his vehicle, um, Cody can be seen wearing the exact same clothes that he was actually wearing on the surveillance video the day that Taylor died. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, when he woke up, he began crying, saying to the police that they should give him a break because his friend just passed away. The police asked him who his friend was, and he responded, Taylor grew well. She fell off a building. No one knew this at this point in time. At this point in time, Taylor's name wasn't even released to the public yet. Had she been identified? No, no, I don't believe so. I think this was the day she was identified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have more inconsistencies on this statement later. Yes. So Mm -hmm. That's very inconsistent. I mean, it's very um, telling that he says that. Especially Mm -hmm. when he's still intoxicated, mind you, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And this, like, I don't know. It makes everything just seem way more inconsistent. Not to mention when police found him, Cody was beat the hell up. Like, he was, we're going to show you photos of Cody's injuries. He's beat up with markings on his face that actually match up with Taylor's injury. So he has markings to one side of his face that it looks like you'd have to use the opposite hand to inflict. And that's Mm. Taylor's hand that has the most injuries to it. It's very interesting. Um, So like you would connect. Does he give an explanation for his injuries at all? No, no. I believe he said that. I th- let's pull up his statements, but I believe at one point he tried to blame his um, girlfriend uh, over it. I, I know. I know. So because they're very he, visible injuries, he's clearly, clearly injured. And yeah, so it's strange if he doesn't have a, a plausible explanation. He'd been in an obvious bad fight, like obvious bad fight. Um, but when police tried to question him about these injuries, Cody just shut down and he no longer would answer any questions concerning Taylor. Um, but police did have these photos taken that we're going to put up. And I guess that was it for the Dallas PD because they really haven't pressed anymore. So let's get into the two statements. And can I just say Cody- if they thought he was, um, a, like you mentioned, like sus- a suspect for murder, mm-hmm. which is different anyways, um, why they didn't collect his clothing at that point? At the they did why the photographs we see are from them arresting or taking him into the station, questioning him, uh, photographing his injuries, taking a statement. Do they take a statement at that time, or is that his? I believe so. I think this is his first statement. So he makes two, and I think this is the first statement he makes about her. And then um, there is a second. Didn't collect his clothing. Didn't collect his clothing. 
Like, and why wouldn't he, yeah. they have collected even like the, under the fingernails, like a little bit of DNA. Like if you think this is a suspicious death was reportedly detective Cheney did. Why is nothing being done acting like it's a suspicious death? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like it's just yeah. like, and you know, I give Taylor family so much credit because when I was talking to them, I asked them, I was like, Hey, like, you know, we've talked to Kaylin. Kaylin definitely thinks, you know, that the Juneau, Alaska police are, there's something fishy, you know, going on with her mother's disappearance and everything. We talked openly about that. And when I, I was like, do you think like, I don't know, maybe it, they were looking like, just like Kaylin's mom, like a little bit less than because of Taylor's drug addiction or like what, what the deal was. Did you get like a sense of like what their deal was? Why weren't they looking more into her? And he was like, I think they're just over overworked. Like they were so kind about the police in this situation. I was like, I would be like, fuck them. They're not doing their jobs. But meanwhile, Rich is like, I think they're, they have a lot, you know, (laughs) I was like, uh, uh, like I don't know I don't it's like, sad to feel kind of like that hopeless about it I guess or yeah. that resigned maybe not hopeless but like that resigned to the fact of like we are not making progress here this is not mm-hmm. a good sign yeah and for the family to just equate it to we live in a big city and this is this is this is why and it's like there's no excuse they know they live in a big city they need to get more workers they need to um, train their police obviously their police force better this is all coming from me this is my hot take but I'm just like annoyed by this entire situation Um, but let's get into Cody's statements on this because none of it makes any lick of sense I will Um, say that there's a lot of people in this um case or any case like that require everyone kind of being on the same page about it from the investigators to the original police to the paramedics to the me as like anybody like and so that's they're like causing themselves a lot of extra red tape or a lot like just because they're not working together succinctly yeah i mean how are they supposed to investigate a not suspicious death Mm -hmm. how are they ever going to bring charges on on him if they did suspect anything like it's just like a kind of a cluster yeah yeah that's just like sad that that's yeah the state of it yeah so this is actually the statement's dated september 29th so it wasn't this day that he made this statement um oh, so okay. this is his first initial statement um cody says i met taylor at sante we became good friends when i and i guess he was dictating this and someone else was writing it down um When I left, I gave her my number and said she could call me anytime she needed anything. On Friday, September 22nd, last week, she called me and asked me to come pick her up from Sante and to take her to her boyfriend's. It wasn't her boyfriend's. It was her long-term friend. I have that on from the family. They never were anything romantic. Um, So I picked her up, took her to her boyfriend's. We talked to her boyfriend on his phone, and he said that he she couldn't stay because his family was visiting. She asked me to take her to another friend's house so she could have a place to sleep. On Saturday, she called and then texted me from her boyfriend's phone and said he was being verbally abusive because she wouldn't have sex with him. Again, I have it on good authority. This just wouldn't have happened. Um, but anyways, at some point... When his family was gone, she got a ride to his house, but not from me. She asked if I could come pick her up in Arlington. When I picked her up. At the restaurant? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Presumably. Yeah. When I picked her up, we went and grabbed a bite to eat and played pool. We talked about her boyfriend, and I urged her to maybe consider going back to rehab. 
Later in the day, I told her that I had to go to my girlfriend's and she could not go with me. I asked her where she wanted me to take her. And she said, she guessed back to her boyfriend's. I thought we had a good talk. My friend had gotten a new car. So I asked if she minded if I went to look at it on the way, (laughs) I guess instead of that drug deal, right? Um, Taylor said her boyfriend wouldn't be home for a while. So she said, sure. And you can take me to after we see the car. On a phone conversation with my girlfriend, my girlfriend girlfriend heard Taylor and got mad that I was with another girl. We argued, and she said that she was going to bring my dog where I was. I told her that I was at my friend's apartment looking at his car, so she said she was coming there with my dog. My girlfriend brought my dog, and we argued some more, and she left. I went back up to my friend's car in the parking garage and put Blaze in the car, the dog. Blaze started barking, so I decided to drive my car up to the top of the parking garage so he couldn't get out and play with Taylor while I finished visiting with my friend. I left Taylor and my dog, and I said I'd be back. After I finished visiting with my friend, I went back to the top of the garage. My dog was in the back seat, and I couldn't find Taylor. I put Blaze on a leash and walked around the complex with my dog looking for Taylor. I called her name and decided to go back to the car. I got back in my car, drove around the apartments for about two, three blocks looking for her. When I couldn't find her, I left and went to my girlfriend's to talk to her and try to work things out. Taylor was a very special person to me. We bonded during, and it's blocked out. She always told me how much she loved her kids. I'm devastated that her kids will grow up without her. So that's his first statement. statement. That's his first statement? That's his first statement. So I don't understand your friend. Two days later at the, when they arrested him for September 29th, it was listed. So that it wasn't that exact day that he was arrested for DUI. Got it. But it's the first time they take a statement. Yeah. Okay. But it's interesting to me, like, your friend is missing and all you do is circle two blocks and then you're like. No, I have a lot of inconsistencies. That's why I was like, (laughs) let me write this down. I have to, I Google maps it. And yeah. Google Maps, if you don't know this, you can go back in time just in case anyone's like, ah, Google's changed. Like, no. Okay. You can go back in time and see what it looked like from uh, Street View. So I was like, I got to feel like what this, how does this work? So first off, police mm-hmm. say they can't identify who those people are, but. Um, oh, who the, who the guys who are. Yeah. That guy is. Okay. So according to Cody's statement, I go over to my friend's apartment. So your friend lives in this apartment. Maybe he's not the leasee. Okay. Let's give the benefit of the doubt. But Mm -hmm. on the surveillance video, you also see him talking with two different people. I see the car that look not Cody's car, the other car that looks really distinctive. It's like a different hood than a different body color. So you're looking for one guy. If, if the stars aligned friend lives Mm -hmm. in the apartment, friend also has new car who registers a new car that looks like this make and model with that's also on a lease here. At that address, yep. Okay, but I get it. Maybe there's a roadblock. Maybe he's not on the lease. Maybe he didn't register that car. It's his, like, not registered yet or whatever. Like, but we're, where, like, how can you not identify who's on this video? 
Well, you know what's interesting is that you say that. So um, there is a woman that is one of the leases of this apartment, and her name is Selena Ruby. Um, and mm. she actually has a federal warrant out for her arrest right now. She could be the key to this entire case, but she is on the lam. She literally fled. No one knows where she is. So if you know where Selena Ruby is, that once had an apartment in uh, the Dallas, Texas, Texas area, was leasing it at the Icons at Ross Apartments. Please call in to the numbers that we're going to provide and give the information. Or if you are Selena, it is in your best interest that you come forward in this case and give up everything you know concerning Why are they Taylor. Looking for her? They, I don't case? know what her federal warrant is, and they aren't necessarily looking for her in this case. But she could have immediate information concerning what the hell happened at that apartment complex that evening. Um, but she's currently gone. Um, so that is something we do know who the leasee is of the apartment where the drug dealer went down. And what's interesting is the, uh, I know what's interesting is, is detective Cheney knew immediately, according to rich had told him immediately, the people in that apartment, not good people. They are into drugs. They are, you know, they have strip clubs. Like there's all these different things that they are doing. That's illegal. Not the strip clubs are illegal, but they have on the CD side of like things. Mm. And the fact that they were known to police, and still yet nothing's yeah. being done. Like, it's just, it's interesting. Anyways. Yeah, that's how I was like, there's no way they don't know who this is or can't reasonably deduce who this could be. So this is a note. It says on October 2nd, 2017, Scott Palmer, William Cody Marley's attorney emailed a statement he took from Mr. Marley. The following information was documented in the statement. Mr. Marley wrote that he'd met the complainant at Sante and began a good became a good friend of hers. Mr. Marley stated that he left and gave his phone number to the complainant and told her that she could call her him any time that she needed. On Friday, September 22nd, Mr. Marley stated that the complainant called and asked him to pick her up and take her to her boyfriend's house. Mr. Marley stated that he could take her to her boyfriend on his phone and he said that she couldn't stay because his family was visiting. Mr. Marley stated that the complainant asked him to take her to another friend's house so that she could have a place to sleep. On Saturday, Mr. Marley stated that the complainant called and texted him from her boyfriend's phone and said that he was being verbally abusive because she wouldn't have sex with him. At some point from when his family was gone, she got a ride to his house and not from me. So still consistent. Mm -hmm. Mr. Marley stated that the complainant asked when he picked the complainant up, they may consider going back to rehab. Later in the day, Mr. Marley told her that he and he had to go to his girlfriend's and that she could not go with him. Mr. Marley stated that he had, he asked the complainant where she wanted him to take her. The complainant said that she guessed back to her boyfriend. Mr. Marley stated that a friend had gotten a new car, so he asked the complainant if she minded if they went to look at it on the way. The complainant stated that her boyfriend wouldn't be home for a while, so she said, sure, and you can take me to see after we see the car. Mr. Marley stated on the phone conversation with his girlfriend, his girlfriend heard the complainant and she got mad that he was with another girl. Mr. Marley stated he became involved in an argument with his girlfriend, and she told him that she was going to bring his dog to where he was. Mr. Marley stated that he told her that he was at a friend's apartment looking at his car. So she said she was brought his dog, and he argued some more that the girlfriend left. Mr. Marley stated that he went back up to his friend's car in the parking garage, put Blaze the dog inside the car. Mr. Marley stating that Blaze 
dog started barking. So he decided to drive his car up to the top of the parking garage so he could get out and play with the complainant while he finished visiting with his friends. Mr. Marley stated he left the complainant and his dog and told the complainant he'd be back. Mr. Marley stated that after he finished visiting with his friend, he went back to the top of the garage. Mr. Marley stated his dog was in the back seat and he couldn't find the complainant. Mr. Marley stating he put Blaze on a leash, walked around the complex with his dog looking for a complainant. Mr. Marley stated that he called the complainant's name and decided to go back to up to his car. Mr. Marley got back in his car, drove around the apartments for two or three blocks looking for her. Mr. Marley stated that he could not find her, so he left, went to his girlfriend to talk to her and try to work things out. Mr. Marley stated that the complainant was a very special person to him and they bonded during blank. Mr. Marley stated the complainant told him how much she loved her two kids. Mr. Marley stated he's devastated kids will grow up without her. But get this. Okay, so this is a letter, a written letter that Detective Cheney received from Scott Palmer, William Marley's attorney, attorney William Cody Marley. Um, Cody Marley refused to come in and talk to Detective Cheney. So on October 3rd, 2017, Detective Cheney and Parker went to the apartment complex Um I'll leave the address out. Detectives knocked on the door of Selena Ruby's apartment. Detectives received no answer at the door. The apartment manager provided a list of vehicles that belonged to, belonged to the tenants. You got it. I was like, <laughs> they know who's parking in this garage. If it's like such an exclusive, any apartment, honestly, like yeah. when you look at the parking garage, there's a gate. Yeah. So presumably you have to get a key fob, a ticket, something like they know what vehicles are coming in and out. Yeah. You know what? Uh, tenants live there. Mm hmm. So the detectives received no answer at the door. The apartment manager provided a list of vehicles that belong to the tenants residing at this apartment. The person on the leasing information is Selena Ruby. The list of vehicles identified as part of the apartment include, and I'll leave you out of that, but on October 3rd, 2017, Detective Cheney received a phone call from a person stating that he is the attorney for the tenants at blank. Detective Cheney explained that he was working on the death incident and needed to talk to the tenants in apartment blank. This attorney stated back that he would check with his clients and call the detective back. On October 3rd, 2017, Detective Cheney received North Texas Crime Stopper tip. The information that was documented on the tip was as follows. Taylor Miller was found outside the parking garage in Dallas one week ago. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I guess that's all we did on that? Like... This was a part of the FOIA. So, hmm. like, it's just... 
I don't know, man. Well, there's also a binder of information, right? Like, I mean, when you have a case file, we've seen in other cases, there might be multiple reports, multiple documents that once, if you were to add them up sequentially or like, yeah, that's where this document ends. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's all we know. Yeah, that's horrible. But that's, you just have to look at who, sorry, what's the lady's name? Selena? Selena. Selena? Mm-hmm. Selena. Selena. Mm-hmm. Um, who her known associates are. They like know it just, that it has to tie back to her apartment. It doesn't make any. You'd think. You would think. You would think. Um, also, anyways, I'm sorry, but to go back to this, it doesn't mean, do we know why that even matters? Sorry to unwind this. Why does that matter? They weren't on the roof with Cody. Yeah. I mean, it might. They might they know, might something. know something. something. That's it. Like, they might know something to this. Um, because there's been a lot of people that reportedly know something, but haven't gone to the police in this case at all. So that Um, could help move it mm -hmm. forward. I see. Yeah. Concerning Cody's phone as well. Um, I forgot about this when we were talking about it earlier. Um, but his, they do have his phone records from that night, like what he did and yeah, his call records. Yeah. And immediately after Taylor body made impact, he was calling his mother, um, along with his girlfriend to allegedly hmm. meet him at the complex that day. But I, I, I find it interesting. I, I think it's interesting that you're immediately calling your mommy and your girlfriend. But anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, as yeah, I mentioned, I have it. some inconsistencies mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about. Maybe you know more and can help shed light because just reading his statement alone didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've clarified some things like, oh, there's not a camera up there that was pointing in the general direction. But okay, so this is what I outlined from his statement. Like, correct me what, if I'm wrong when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So his, so in his statement, the girlfriend brings a dog to him, and then we see him on the third floor with Taylor. Um, supposedly, yeah. We're just saying his statement says, and then. Mm-hmm. He and Taylor and the dog go upstairs to the top, fifth floor. Even though we don't see the dog at all in the surveillance video, that's what's really weird about it, too, because it's a pit bull. And you would think you'd see it in the windows of the car or you'd see it around them going to the car or when they have the car doors open, it popping out. Like, no dog. say the benefit of the doubt. He has very tinted windows in this, but this dog's very well behaved. Okay. His statement (laughs) says the dog, the dog's so well behaved and his tints tints are so dark. The dog is in the car. Okay. And he's such a Um, poor owner that he just leaves his dog in the car. But anyways, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All the things. Uh, um, So uh, he, his statement says his dog's in the car. They go up to the fifth floor to let the dog out. The dog barked or something and needs to get out. Mm. Um, And this is where his statement doesn't, say so i'm just gonna say that like because i read and reread and reread i'm like dog car taylor like cody where are they it doesn't say it says that his he and and taylor and the dog are on the top floor presumably the car is up there because when he comes back he says his dog is in the back seat he leaves his car up there if you watch a surveillance video, can you watch it for me? Am I wrong? When he meets his friends, his car is down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's after Taylor was had had jumped, air quotes, mm-hmm. or has gone over the edge. So, 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 so. Okay. The dog's in the car, but 
And his statement says he comes up, he doesn't know where Taylor is. He gets the dog out of the car up there, walks around the complex is what he says, but I'm presuming he means the garage yeah. because then he says he can't find Taylor. He gets back in his car and leaves to drive two or three blocks. I have, I, as I mentioned on Google maps, looked and looked and looked the exit that they're talking about where you would leave this garage is the exit where Taylor's body is found at what? 1106. Yeah. So if he had looked so hard for her walking blaze on the leash, she's already presumably on the ground by the exit. His car leaves and he doesn't see that she's laying there at the exit. Like this so, is why I'm saying the statement doesn't make sense. It doesn't. So real quick, did he say in his statement he walked with blaze around or did he say yeah. he drove around? No, no, no. Both. Hang on. Let me read to you what I, I, I had to read and reread and reread. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I'm working off limited information. I put Blaze on leash and walked around complex with my dog looking for Taylor. I called her name and decided to go back to my car. I got back in my car and drove around the apartments and about two or three blocks looking for her. So, so, that, so he drove around the garage or he, but two or three blocks means he left the garage and yeah. that's, if you looked on a leash and then drove around, even if you were mm -hmm. in the garage, it's way past 11.06. If you're saying that she had jumped, also, if she had jumped, she would still be by the exit when you leave the garage. Yeah. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. She would still be there. And not only that, but you know, like, let's do devil's advocate. Maybe he left way later, like whatever else. But devil's advocate. There'd be a there scene. There's paramedics. Scene. Yeah. There's still... There's still interest, you know, like human morbid. There's going to be people around that are like somebody just jumped. Like, you know, like you wouldn't know what had happened to your friend. And then the fact that just a couple of days later, he's trying to get off on a DUI charge because his friend died by falling off of a building. Like that doesn't make any sense either, because reportedly he didn't know what happened to Taylor. Remember in his statement, he says, I have no concept of what happened to her. Yeah. No, yeah. I, he, he doesn't make any sense. And I feel like nothing has been pushed on him concerning this. Like, there's been no pressure. Like, I don't know. I yeah, don't know I good. just had, like, red flag city happening when I read his statement. That's why I had to, like, literally write it down and be like, okay, even if you were taking one minute for each activity, I get out my dog, I look around, I don't see her, I get in my car, I drive down. Because if he's looking on the top for her, Five mm -hmm. stories of a parking garage. By the time you get out of the garage, it's 1106 or later. Yeah. And anyways, I also want to call out if he left his dog in and he he comes back to the fifth floor, he sees his dog in the back seat. So he leaves his car. That's what I'm assuming. It doesn't say in a statement, but finds his car in the his dog in the back seat of this car. He's left his car on the fifth floor. He's walking. He's walking mm -hmm. from the third floor where he says he meets his friends to look at the car, walking back up three two stories to the fifth floor to get back to his car. Like there's enough time in my mind to say if her watch stopped at 1106, you would have seen her on your way out of the garage when you went mm -hmm. to leave. Yeah. That's yeah. all I read. And I was like, that does not make sense to me. No, no. So I like, he knew, he knew what happened. And then that's the frustrating thing is that there's been absolutely no push on the investigation into her death, it seems. Um, and 
like Rich mentioned, there hasn't even been a press conference for his daughter. Like there wasn't even, you know, you see those millions of press conferences all the time. There wasn't even a press conference where they were like, this is the individual that was the last person to see her. If you have any any information on these two individuals that were in the parking garage, please contact us. And let There's been nothing like that. They haven't reached out to crime um, stoppers at all to talk about getting a, um, you know, everybody has those like rewards and everything else. Like there's been no push by the police department to kind of have a, a resolve to this case, a, a full motion, I guess, like you would say, all the legwork has been done by Rich. Momentum. And by Leah. Yeah. yeah, no momentum. All legwork's been done by Rich, Taylor's family, and Leah from Last of These. So um, major question, because uh, in reading the report, it's the police report. Mm-hmm. Do you have light? Can you shed light on what the hell is with the fire extinguishers and the Ford Ranger truck? There's a lot of notes, half uh, yeah. the report almost, is about this Ford Ranger truck that's parked on the fifth floor and mm-hmm. they list the stalls. And if I get me, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a fire extinguisher in the driver's side or passenger side. The window is shattered. Window's there's broken. inside and outside. Yeah. There's the fire extinguisher key found in like the stall mm-hmm. next to it, the parking spot next to it. There's a fire extinguisher that's like out. That's also, I think on the same floor, there's what I counted was three fire extinguishers um, what, and broken glass in a truck. What are, what, what's anyone making sense of that? I don't know, but I do wonder about, you know, that gash on the top of Cody's head. Do you, it's bad. Do you think someone could have taken a fire extinguisher and tried like they're fighting for their life? Fire extinguishers are very heavy when they're full. Just right? saying they're like, ten, like, Six, eight, ten pounds. I don't know. It depends on size, but they're not light. Right. Cause I can't see like a fist. And if it broke the that. glass of the car, <laughs> yeah. Mean, the hefty thing. Yeah. But I can see like a, you know, you throw something at him and then it makes that kind of gash at the top of his head. They also took fingerprints from that car. I don't know if anything was found or not found, but I don't think so. Yeah. Latent impressions were lifted. Mm hmm. But I don't know if they matter or match to anybody that's like involved. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Like mm-hmm. I asked um, because it, you know how Kaylin um, kind of suspected that um, her mother's possible murderer um, could have been an informant for police. Like that's all I could think of with this case was well, I was like, but yeah, the only uh, the other thing is what I was asking about this fire extinguisher because it's like sus to me that they are fingerprinting these fire extinguishers mm-hmm. if they don't think they were involved in any way. Like, I'm sure there was other things on this parking garage floor. Like, they're not just fingerprint. It's not mentioned in this report. I'll just say that it's a lot mm-hmm. about the fire extinguishers. A lot about the fire extinguishers and that broken window. That like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but I wonder how close that was to where Taylor had fallen as well. You know, I don't know. An empty fire extinguisher on the wall, an empty fire extinguisher on the pavement in a parking space, and then a fire extinguisher inside of the truck Mm -hmm. that had presumably broken the glass or something like that. Glass is broken. So, yeah, I was right. Three. It's really strange. Seems like there's enough um, of something to, to break this open. I know. So on that same note, I know we talked earlier about um, Rich opening up that FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, um, so he could find out just what was going on, you know, with his daughter's case. And um, we already talked about how they hadn't, 
I, I don't know which one we talked about, but they hadn't even told Rich that Cody had been injured at all. And they also hadn't told Rich that he'd initially been labeled in the notes as a suspect. He literally says SP, S-U-S-P, Cody, William Cody Marley, um, follow-up to murder. So, but not only that. So after filing this FOIA, Rich, armed with a binder um, of information and evidence about his daughter from the FOIA, had a meeting with his family, Detective Cheney, all of Detective Cheney's supervisors, so his lieutenant, all of that, and the DA, okay? So according to Rich, he comes in, and the DA announces himself as, if there's a murder indictment, I'm the guy that lays the charges down. Cool, bro. So when the family, but then he goes on to explain to the family that there's not enough evidence to arrest Cody, to which Rich tries to counter with this binder of evidence that he's brought them. And the DA responded with, I don't want to get into that right now. I don't want to get into what you've found. I don't want to get into evidence. I think Cheney is an excellent investigator. He's worked many murder investigations. Yeah, but this one's not solved. Can we just yeah. say that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah but... Uh... And how many times, like, they seem to completely disregard the family information in this case, but how many times has it been a family deep diving into a case where there's been that one thing that's broken it open? Or even with the Kristen Smart case, the whole reason things are being revisited is one podcast, you know, looked into it, and there was more information brought forth, and the police were able to make arrests, currently a trial, all of that. So why are we dismissing what the family found in the FOIA? Like, that's wild to me. Like, why wouldn't you be like, let me take it under advisement? let y'all know like what we come up with or whatever. I would say it doesn't hurt to hear out a family. Right? I don't know what it would hurt. I feel and, like and at best you are learning information you already have. This is it's it. in your file. So hmm. I just, I don't know how I, in these kind of cases, this is where I don't know how detectives and police forces can sleep at night when you're completely disregarding like an entire, like I would be like, you know what? Let me, you, you just, you hear all these good stories about police officers actually being like, let me take this case and friggin' work it until we get an answer. And then you hear these absolute horror stories of this kind of situation where they're like, I don't want to hear it. It's the I same. It's not the same detective on the case as the original investigator, though. You mentioned it's not a cold anymore. case now. Yeah. 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 And if, and Rich did say if, if it had been this investigator on the first time, you know, they probably would have more answers now than, than, you know, Detective Cheney, who seems And Cody's lawyered up, right? He does, he wasn't talking to be not with talking. Really. He just re- had a statement through his attorney. He's not talking. Mm-mm. And so He's basically they it. have to arrest him and they yeah. better be able to prove it when they arrest him. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing that's really frustrating, too, is like, I know these kind of guys, like I used to work in security with a bunch of retired police officers and um, military men. And I know if it if it was their daughter, if it was their friend, you wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't stop at anything. And you'd at least have the understanding that a family wouldn't stop at anything to get answers for their child. So why are they letting Cody Marley off so easy when he's basically this career criminal? Like none of it makes any sense to me. Um, But they basically said in order to lay these charges, they would need everything from the murder weapon. Like they need all of the information in place. But doesn't the Dallas PD recognize that you have to actually do an investigation in order to get all of that information? Like that's what doesn't make any sense to me. Like, sorry, you have to do your job. (laughs) Sorry, it's hard being a police officer. I don't know. I don't know. 
It seems like they have a lot to work with already, to be honest, comparatively to like other cases we've looked at. There's enough Mm -hmm. here that it seems like it just takes again back to the original call to action. Like it just takes one person to step forward and say what they know. And that might be like enough to label him an official suspect or change the um, her autopsy report to a suspicious death, which like gives them more room to work or something like it seems like it could shake something loose. There's enough here to pursue for sure. Yeah. One of the many things about this case that upsets Taylor's dad, Rich, is that Taylor always would call him when she was in trouble. He wasn't one of those dads that was quick to anger. He was more like, let me just make sure you're safe. Where Mm -hmm. are you? Yeah. Right. Um, But that night, Taylor didn't call him because she couldn't. She didn't have her phone. Rich was only 15 minutes away from where his daughter died. Oh, that's heartbreaking. He would have done anything, you know, to be there for his little girl. He would have moved earth, you know, to get there if he had known that she was in trouble. Rich has carried the weight of this case on his back. And it's time that we try to help a little bit and put a little bit of pressure on the Dallas PD to investigate Taylor's death. So to this day, Taylor's case is still an ongoing investigation, but still an unexplained death currently being handled by cold case detective, Detective Clark. It seems, though, as everything has remained stagnant. Um, so we need the public's help to have a fresh look at this case. Like Taylor's dad said to me the other day, he's like, I need media. I need something to give the extra push now. Like we're five years down the line. Um, it's the Dallas PD, for whatever reason, they still can't identify those two men we talked about earlier. So please have another look at them. Um, if you have any information concerning these two men that we flashed up on the screen, please make sure you contact the numbers that we'll provide on the screen. Dallas PD didn't even do the simplest of tasks of checking their social, like anyone's social media in this case, which is wild because that can have so many clues to it and can lead you to who people may be. And, um, they've hardly even begun trying to question this case. It literally has only been the family trying to find all the missing pieces of this along with Leah. So if anything has sparked your memory concerning this case, that could be helpful. Even the smallest thing, please contact the Dallas police force using the numbers that will flash up on the screen. You can remain anonymous. So you can text 1-800-252-TIPS with her case number. So her case number is 218-587-2017. You can also contact the Dallas police force at 214-671-671. 3650. And again, please reference her case number 218-587-2017. The medical examiner will not be changing their results until someone else comes forward. So it is imperative Mm -hmm. to contact authorities with any information that you may have concerning this case. I'm not sure why they haven't changed it from undetermined to suspicious, um, but Wow. <laughs> We're coming I'm sure. I guess that's what sucks. We're coming up on the fifth anniversary of no answers for Taylor's family. As Rich said to me, Taylor is a statistic now. Her binder is eight inches thick. I it has her driver's license picture on the front. And I think of how many books there are. I'm not the only parent. That's why I don't seek out pity. But these big cities, Dallas and Houston, Taylor's just going to be a number. I'm almost resolved to it now. I don't see him ever confessing. 
So this has to be a case where someone comes forward. No father should ever have to feel that way. Like their daughter is just a number. Or her kids. Or her kids. She has two children. And no family should ever be treated this way. Like their their family member doesn't deserve the answers. Um, Something must be done. And currently, sadly, it seems like it's up to us. So share, 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 share the hell out of this episode as much as you can. As we said before, Cody Marley is still not a suspect in this case. He is not even currently a person of interest. Taylor's sister, Kayla, told me she feels like it's not fair for me to be quiet because my sister has no voice. If you'd like to follow Kayla on TikTok, we'll flash her um, at up on the screen. It's XOXO Kayla Baby. Um, I would also like to thank Taylor's family for trusting us with her story. And I also would like to thank the least of these podcasts for being an amazing source for this episode. Their series on Taylor was beautifully done. If you'd like more information on this case, uh, make sure you check out their series. Um, but that's all I have on the very sad case of Taylor Gruwell. So hopefully we reach someone today. I really hope so. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know for myself, since transitioning to a working from home environment, the importance of taking care of your own mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, it's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime, day or night, to message your therapist. It's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read other clients' testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash ITT, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for listeners of Innocent Till Tipsy, you can go to their website and get an additional 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash ITT. That's betterhelp.com slash ITT. Yeah, you never know what you know, uh, how, like if you if what you know could move something forward. So I guess there's no tip that's too small, like you don't have to have all the answers, you might just know a piece of it. And that's a piece of a bigger puzzle. Yeah, yeah, you literally you never know what you could know. Or honestly, like our social media is like we say it's a small world all the time. Like, you never mm-hmm. know who you could reach. Um, so it's such a wealth of information nowadays, there's really no excuse for cases like this to remain unsolved. So make sure you're sharing, you know, and spreading this information. But yeah. Um, such a sour note to end on, but how was your wine? Um, since we are, um, my wine is really good. Uh, good job. Naked wines again. Um, us really well. I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love this wine. Yeah. It's good rosé. But yeah, until next time, make sure you all are being safe out there. Um, we'll definitely make sure to link resources to Suicide Helpline um, along with um, other resources below. Um, but yeah, please, please share Taylor's story and um, be safe out there. But Till next time. Cheers. Ahura Media Production. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued 
by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.